0: man i'm excited i'm excited about what's gonna happen here as we spend some time um, in the word i got nothing planned so we'll see where god goes we'll see where he leads us all right as we reflect on the word so let's pray and get started um as you're reading i want you to ask three questions okay this is the equipping i want you to ask three questions i want you to ask first what is the lord revealing concerning himself like pray that god what are you revealing concerning yourself The second thing I want you to ask is what is God revealing concerning people? Like, what is he revealing concerning people? And then the third question that I want you to ask is I want you to ask, what is God revealing concerning you? What is he revealing concerning you? As I'm reading this, I'm asking the Lord, what are you revealing to me concerning me? This is the engagement that we're going to, this is what we're going to engage in today. Um, as we read his word. And I'm telling you, it is a powerful endeavor. It is a powerful activity. It is profoundly transformative. And so uh, let's join together in that. Father, we ask, Lord, as we read your word today, Lord, pour out your spirit. Father, I pray that you would guide us in your word, guide us in the truth of your word. but lead us, Lord, to the path of righteousness, Father, lead us to you, Father, that you may be glorified in this time, that you may be revealed in this time, that you would convict us, correct us, where we need conviction and correction. Father, I just pray that you would change something in us today. Change something in us today. And I ask that in your name, we pray, amen and amen. Let's get to it. Let's jump on it. Yo, uh, Exodus one verse one, it says this. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man in his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, all his brothers and all that generation, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua, and he said, When you do the duties of the midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mightily. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. And the man of the house of Levi went and took as his wife, the daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him there three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out on this out, the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Did you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a wall, by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. But when he came to Reuel, their father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to live with the man. And he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses and she bore him a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Now, it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So he heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire and the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now, excuse me, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Hmm. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with the Egyptians, which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain." Then Moses said to God, "'Indeed, I have come to the children of Israel,' and said to them, "'The God of your fathers has sent me to you,' and they say to me, "'What is his name? What shall I say to them?' And God said to Moses, "'I am who I am.'" And he said, "'Thus you shall say to the children of Israel,' I am sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together. Say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what you have done in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will hear heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by the mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go, you shall not go empty handed. Mm. You shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. You shall plunder the Egyptians. Hmm. Chapter, Chapter four. Oops. Sorry, chapter four. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is it? What is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. Hmm. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of the bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign that he may believe the message of the latter sign. Hmm. And it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs and listen to your voice that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land and water, which is and the water, which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my God, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him. Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? have not I the Lord now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. but he said, O oh my Lord, please send the hand of whomever whomever else you may send, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, "Is it not Aaron the Levite, your brother? I know that he can speak well." And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth to you, and you shall be to him as God. Hmm. And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set him on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. (laughs) Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Then the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness and meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent who had sent him and all the signs that he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went. And gathered together all the elders and the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, that he had looked on their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped. Hmm. We'll read chapter We'll read this last chapter, chapter five. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey? Sorry. Oh, wow. Sorry, guys. Are we back? Oh, oh, wow. Sorry about that. Um, I just realized something got cut off. Are we back? Okay, cool. Um, Exodus five afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord, our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. (laughs) Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of the bricks, which they made before. You shall not reduce it for they are idle. Therefore they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on men that they may labor in it and let them not Regard false words. Oh, man, there's so much there. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it. Let none of your work and, and yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also, the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing with us, thus, with your servant? there is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Hmm. Therefore go now and work for no straw shall be given to you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. Hmm. But the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble. After it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? for since i came pharaoh since i came to pharaoh to speak in your name he has done evil to this people neither have you delivered your people at all neither have you delivered your people at all we're going to stop right here um i i want to uh Commit this time with a few thoughts. For those of you who are here for the first time, this is the read and rant. And what we commit to doing in the read and rant is we commit to read the word. This is that—that's the priority. So, for those of you who are here, the priority is to read the word. And so now we've read from Exodus one through Exodus five, and we're just going to continue every day to read through the scriptures. And then after we read, I rant, which isn't the priority of our time, but I rant and I, and and we, we just allow the Lord to lead. Okay. And the three questions that we're asking as we allow the Lord to lead is, is what is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? And what is God revealing concerning me? I'll give you a peek into my prayerful process as I read the word, which I believe is actually the most important uh, commitment that you can make. It's more important than even Bible study, just meditational reading and reading through the totality of the word is the most important engagement. And so that's what we came here to do. Um, For those of you who have been with us, we've read through Genesis and through Genesis, we see, uh if I were to put Genesis into um, um at least the second part of Genesis or the last part of Genesis into uh into just a, one statement it's God is establishing a family to exercise his justice on earth. God is anointing a family to exercise his justice and to reestablish and restore his kingdom on earth. And this family was initiated through a covenant that God made with Abraham. Abraham bears Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. We read all of that. I'm just walking you through. Uh, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Israel has uh, a growing family, a lot of complexities, but it is a blended family. And out of that blended family come these 12 sons and these 12 sons who after one of the 12 um, was sent away by God's doing and by God's will through the ruse and the jealousy of his brothers. Because it was all part of God's plan at the end of the day. Moses has been called, sorry, not Moses, sorry. Jacob, not Jacob, Joseph, sorry, Joseph, through the ruse of his brothers was called to go to a place first to establish the covering, the protection and the resources that would be necessary for the survival of this chosen family. So Moses was lied, I mean, uh, Joseph was lied on. He was, he was cheated. He went to prison, Um, he, he was betrayed, all these things transpired in order that he would prepare a safe place for God's chosen people in the time of famine, in the time of lack, in the time of death. So we see that Joseph is a foreshadow of Christ, but that's another conversation for another day. Go back, check out that reading rant. We were there already going now into Exodus. We see that this family that has moved to Egypt, okay, this family that has moved to Egypt, it opens up to tell us that that family of 70 came to meet with Joseph in Egypt and they established as a people in the land of Goshen and they spent centuries there. So centuries after Joseph, centuries after Joseph had brought them there, they stayed there and they became a nation of people. The the, the text tells us in Exodus chapter one that they multiplied and that they grew. They multiplied and they grew so much so that the Egyptians felt threatened by them because of the sheer number of them. In their land. And as a consequence, the promise that the Pharaoh before had made to Joseph and Joseph's people was not the promise of this Pharaoh generations later, this evil Pharaoh who now sees. The Egypt, uh, the, the Hebrew people, not as a blessing and as a fulfillment of a commitment and a promise, but as a threat. He sees them as a threat and as a consequence, he says, let us afflict them with their burdens. Stay with me, family, because the Lord is leading me somewhere today. Let us afflict these chosen people with their burdens. First point first point, when you outgrow a situation and you stay in it, it leads to bondage. That's my first, that's the first thing that we can see here. When you outgrow a situation, when you outgrow an environment, when you outgrow um, um, a, a, a relationship, when you outgrow a situation and you stay in it, it leads you in to bondage. Because when you outgrow something, you outgrow your friends, you outgrow your job, you outgrow, um, um, you know, a, a relationship that you're in, you outgrow um, a, a group. When you outgrow a situation, the people who are in that situation will not, no longer see you as a blessing, they will begin to see you as a threat. While the, while the Hebrew people were a chosen people, this family, remember, this is all, this is the thread that we're talking about here. This family that God has chosen, who's now in Egypt, they are a threat to Pharaoh. Pharaoh sees them and sees that they're growing and rather than seeing them as a blessing, he sees them as a threat. Are you catching me family? And often what happens is remember, remember how Genesis ends. Oh man, I don't know if I got the time today because because I really want to sit on this. Remember how Genesis ends. Joseph tells them when he dies, do not make sure that his bones are sent back to Canaan. Make sure his bones are sent back. Israel asked to be buried in his land on his father's tomb. Meaning the fathers who came to Egypt knew that this was not a permanent place, that it was time, that there would be a time for them to go back And the question that we have to ask here of these people who have been blessed in number was whether or not they should have gone back and whether or not they spent too much time in Egypt. These were people with full independence to go back to Canaan. But here's the thing about Canaan. Canaan is uncertain. (sighs) Canaan is not a sure thing. Canaan comes with challenges. You got to rebuild in Canaan. You have to reestablish yourself in Canaan. You have to, you, you, it doesn't come easy in Canaan. And because you got to rebuild in Canaan, you got to reestablish in Canaan. You, 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 you've got to contest for, for, for your land in Canaan it's better to stay here in Goshen because Goshen is comfortable. How many times have we done what the children of Israel have done? That we would walk away from the promise and walk into comfort and stay in comfort even though we know we're not where the promise is. How many times have we stayed in Goshen where it's comfortable? We're getting provision because we have the deal that Joseph made with Pharaoh, but the deal that Joseph made with Pharaoh was not the deal that the Pharaoh made with you. And often we choose comfortable situations over the promise of God. Because sometimes what God promises is uncomfortable. Almost all the time where God is promising us is uncomfortable. And so what do we do? We stay in comfort. We stay in comfort and we stay there and we stay there and we stay there until we outgrow it. And then when we outgrow, our place of comfort, we wonder why we get stuck. We get stuck because we stayed there too long. And now what was promised to us is being occupied by a bunch of nations, the Hittites, the, the parasites, the, the Hivites and the Jebusites. These are the people who now have occupied the space that you're supposed to be in. Do you know there's some places right now in your life? Let me say this real quick. You know there's some things right now that you've been called to that others are occupying it because you never said yes to God for it. You know that's where you ought to be. You know that's where you ought to go. You know that, 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 that that's where God is calling you, but you've chosen to stay in your place of comfort and now you watch and you see other people occupying it because you did not say yes to God. So you chose comfort. You chose that comfortable situation. You chose that comfortable place and you wonder why you just feel uneasy and uncomfortable and why you feel bound and why you feel stuck. You're stuck because you never stepped out. You're stuck because you didn't have the courage to say, Goshen is not for me. It's comfortable, but it's not for me. There's some relationships that that we're in, we keep them there because they're comfortable. This is easy, but we know it ain't it. And we know it's not leading us to covenant. And yet we stay in comfort. How many times have we chosen comfort over covenant? And rarely is covenant comfortable. (laughs) rarely is comfort or covenant ever comfortable. And so they multiplied and they multiplied and they multiplied and now he sees them as a threat. Pharaoh sees them as a threat, not a blessing, but as a threat. And so what does he say? Watch this. He says, let us make their lives hard with bondage. Let's let's make it hard on them. Let's make them work. Let's make them work. Let's make them work for us. You know what's funny? You know what's funny, family? is how Pharaoh is threatened by their power. And yet the children of Israel don't see the power that Pharaoh was threatened by. Isn't that interesting? That Pharaoh puts them in bondage when they had a power that would have set them free from the gate. Meaning their slavery came out of their ignorance. They were slaves out of ignorance, not because Pharaoh overpowered them, but because they were bound to comfort. They loved it so much that they allowed themselves to stay in Goshen and be slaves for the sake of preserving their comfort. So he made them work and made them work. He told them, if you're gonna stay here, you're going to keep on working. And yet what I love about the text is even in the midst of the bondage, they grew. They grew. Even when the, when Pharaoh bound them to, to hard labor, they grew. They kept on growing, they kept on growing, they kept on growing, and so what did Pharaoh finally do? He said, "You know what we're just gonna have to you know what that's it we're just go, we're gonna have to kill the firstborn sons. we're just gonna have to kill the boys. let's just get rid of the boys. let's kill all the boys because these guys keep growing. Why would he do that? Pharaoh did it because they were a threat. They were a threat. There are two two stories here. There are two narratives here that I want you to see. There's first the foreshadow of Christ because we're going to see this replay again when Herod was threatened by a boy. When when, when, when Herod was threatened by a boy and said, we're going to kill every young boy. And the boy that he was threatened by went to Egypt. And it's funny how in Egypt, we see this story. We see the story of Pharaoh being threatened by boys. And yet one has been sent out to escape, to return once more, to deliver these people. That's one thread in the story. But there's another threat in this story. There's another threat in this story. That Pharaoh knew from the beginning that they were a threat. And even when they were in bondage, they were still a threat. Because he had to initiate and instigate a policy to kill all the boys. Why would he do that? Unless he was still threatened by them. This is a word for some people who feel like the devil's binding them and they they feel like they're under bondage and they feel like um, they're under oppression and they feel like let me tell you something right now. If you're experiencing any form of spiritual oppression, it's because the devil is threatened by you. It's because the enemy is threatened by you. This is is the thing that I believe is important for believers today is that there are a lot of believers today who do not know the power that they have. They operate in ignorance. The reason why they're in bondage is because they are ignorant. Ignorance is bondage. And if you knew the power that you had You would know that the devil has no power over you. As a matter of fact, any attack of the enemy over your life is a product of the reality that the devil knows something you don't know. And he knows that you are still a threat. The children of Israel are a threat. They're a threat to Pharaoh. Oh my goodness, I don't have the time because I can go all day on this one I can go all day on this one. But here's where I want to go because he calls, we see the story, he calls Moses and, 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 and Moses, um, um, we, we know the story, right? He, he grows up a, a prince of Egypt, essentially. He grows up under royalty. Um, the mother who birthed him is actually hired to take care of him. It's another story and another message for another day. And Moses grows in in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He's educated. He's educated. He's trained. He's trained by the best teachers and educated by the best teachers. But deep down inside, even though he's steeped in Egyptian culture, he knows he has an identity that doesn't align with the culture. (laughs) He's steeped in Egyptian society and culture. He's an influencer in Egyptian society and culture. He stands at the pinnacle of Egyptian society and culture. And yet Moses knows that he does not belong in Egypt. (sighs) Moses is an exile and a prince. (laughs) Moses is not of this world and yet he is instituting the policy of this world. A a Moses, (laughs) Moses, Moses, he's, he's prince, but he doesn't belong. As a matter of fact, the reason why his name is Moses was because he came out of the water. Moses was a Hebrew boy but he knew he was not egyptian and yet he is an egyptian prince a hebrew boy and an egyptian prince humanity and royalty moses is very much a foreshadow of christ for christ took on the identity steeped in humanity and yet he was still royalty above all these things he did not belong here and yet he dwelt here And for many of us, we don't realize what it means to be in Christ. It's to be in this world and to not belong in it. Oh God, lead me today. Lead me today, Lord. Because often what happens is, is we look to belong in this world. We don't look to influence it, but the distinction that we make as Christians is that we are not here to belong. We're here to influence. Moses influenced the policy of the world that he was in, but he knew that he did not belong in the world that he was in. He knew he was Hebrew. And just like us, we don't look to be popular or to belong in the world that we're in, but we look to even in our exilic reality to institute policy in the world that we belong in. Are our lives compelling enough? Do we operate in the power of God so much so that people will see that we're different but they know they got to (laughs) listen? And this is who Moses is. And Moses sees uh, uh, an Egyptian man, oppressed a Hebrew man, and he kills him, and we know he sent. Um, he, he runs, and he, he 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 goes out into the wilderness, and 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 he meets with another exilic group of people, and and he goes to Midian, and after he goes to Midian, um, um, he he becomes a shepherd there, and he spends decades there, establishes a reality there, a new family there. He thinks he's resetting, but God said, this is just a temporary place that you're in because I'm calling you back to the people of, um, to your people, to the people that you belong to in Egypt. He's going back. He has the encounter, the burning bush, and he has this encounter with God. I don't have enough time to break all that. I want to get to the point to where the Lord is leading me to. Into to what God is really convicting me with this morning. And I hope it's a word of conviction for you all as you spend this time in reflection. But let me tell you what the Lord is saying to me today. And let me tell you what the, the Lord is, is really, really pressing into me today as I'm reading this word. He promises them. He says to Moses, I am who I am. This is where we get the word Yahweh from. This is where we we see the, the instance of Yahweh. He finally names himself and his name for himself is I am. And he gives Moses all these signs that he is to display before Pharaoh. And after he gives Moses all these signs they used to display before Pharaoh. There's so many stories. you could, We could preach this, just the first four chapters of Exodus could be preached all year. There's just so much there, right? He displays all these signs before Pharaoh and then reveals the prophetic message. That's why miracle signs and wonders are meant to prophesy the gospel, not to just make people be healed and feel better and move on. That's not the purpose of miracles, or signs and wonders. The purpose of miracle signs and wonders is to point to the gospel. That's why. Okay. Um, But anyway, that's another conversation for another day. But then he has his encounter with Pharaoh. Watch this now. And this is the word of conviction that I have for you today. He has this encounter with Pharaoh. And in verse three says, so they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey in the desert and sacrifice to our Lord God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Watch this. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Go get back to your labor. Get back to your labor. You know what's interesting about the story? And I know for many of you who've read this before, you may have missed this and maybe I'll help you out because this is something that is worthy of consideration. When Moses came to Pharaoh, his first appeal to Pharaoh was not to leave. The strategy in the end was to leave, but his first appeal to Pharaoh was not to leave. Make sure you understand this. His first appeal to Pharaoh was not to go back to the land of Canaan. That's not what he asked Pharaoh for. Catch it. And God even tells him, he says, don't ask Pharaoh. Don't ask Pharaoh to go back to Canaan. We already know what he's going to say. But what you're going to ask Pharaoh, is you're going to ask Pharaoh that he would give you permission to worship. Did you catch that? Read the text one more time. That he did not ask to leave, to go back to Canaan. They just asked, give us some time to go out and to worship Yahweh, to worship our God. Did you catch that? That the first thing that they asked for was worship. They didn't ask to go back to the land. They didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for clothes. They didn't ask um, for their civil rights. They didn't ask, um, you know, for for you know, they didn't ask for any of that stuff. What they asked for was permission to worship. Isn't it funny how nowadays the people of God put put everything else as a priority over worship. We want civil rights. We want social justice. We want all these things, and they're all good things. But those things do not precede worship. That they're already indicating to you what the priority was. The priority was not to get our land back. It wasn't our 40 acres and a mule. It wasn't any of that. The priority first was to worship. That's what they asked for. They asked to worship God. And notice how Pharaoh responds. Pharaoh says to them, get back to work, get back to your labor. Remember, they didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for rights. They just asked for some time. To worship. So the Lord told him to ask for permission for was to worship. And Pharaoh's response to them is not only do you tell them to get back to work, but now make them work harder. Take away the straw, make them have to go get their own straw and still they have to meet the same quota. Pay attention, family, because this is the conviction that God is giving me today. Are we making work our God? Have we given work precedence over our worship? Is our work our worship? Or are we worshiping through our work? as a matter of fact, is our work and our labor distracting us from the presence of God. I find it peculiar in this text that the moment that they sought to worship God was the moment that the work got harder. The moment they sought to worship God was the moment that the work got harder. And I wonder, have we allowed the enemy to rob us of our worship because we've been too busy working? Have we allowed the enemy to rob us of our worship? because we're too busy getting the nine to five done, getting the next job done. Then I got to go Uber. Then I got to go do this. Then I got to go do that. And I got to go run and do this. And I got to go run and do that. And I have this thing and that thing. Have we crammed our calendars so much that we don't even have time anymore to pray and to seek the Lord and to seek his face? Do we even see worship through our work? You know what's crazy to me is I'm realizing that the reason why the church in America has lost its power, it's not because of temptations and sin and culture and and you know all the other stuff. It's not TV. TV is not what's getting in the way of of the of the American church. I know we have people from all around the world who are watching, but I want to point out something to my. To my American folks, you know that it's not, it's not TV that's getting, that's getting in the way of our church moving in power today. It's not philosophy that's getting in the way of our church moving in power. It's not, it's not all those horrible influences that we see. It's not the music. It's not music that's getting in the way. The music has always been provocative, the, 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 there's always been influences. All these things have existed since the beginning of time. Since is the beginning of human history. Those aren't the things that are actually getting in the way. What's getting in the way is work. We have submitted a third of our lives, a third for many of us close to a half of our lives to working and working and working. And we have no time devoted to spending with the Lord. It's the distraction of work that's gotten in the way of our spiritual growth, which is why Exodus 5 verse 17, but he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, You say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying, because you have time, now you want to worship. (laughs) The officers come to the children of Israel and say, oh, it's because you have time now that you want to go and worship. So let's take your time away from you. So that way you won't be able to worship. And so he doubled the work, Moses didn't get it. He went to God and said, Lord, why have you brought all this trouble on these people? The toil has increased. Yes, all that is bad, but the real travesty Lord is you have now taken away any facility for your people to worship. You've taken away, and this is the problem. We see this in in, in most Western cultures and societies. We see this all around the world. In Japan, we see it in the U.S. We work, we work, we work, we have school, we have, job, we have all these things. And all these things have robbed us of our time with God. And we wonder why we're losing it spiritually. We wonder why we're losing it as a church spiritually. We wonder why we can't move in power anymore. We wonder why we're losing confidence in the grace of God. We wonder why we're drawing from the presence of God. It's because of work. So my question for you today, brothers and sisters, has your work gotten in the way? Has your work gotten in the way? Because God is giving the formula for their freedom. We're going to see how we're going to see them. We're going to, we're going to read Exodus six tomorrow. But God has given them the formula for their freedom. It starts off with worship. That's the formula. Worship. Spending time in his presence. Spending time seeking him. Spending time, you have no idea. It's one of the easiest things to do. It's one of the... When I say easiest things to do, it's one of the things that if you did it, you would see life get easier. You would see things just turn around. You would see God change something in you, in your marriage, in your, in your career, in your life. You would see God change something in you in your heart. You would see God move powerfully. It is an incredible endeavor. Even this time that you spend here, imagine we're spending 20 minutes and another 30 minutes reading the word. And there are those of you who have said how much it has transformed you. Imagine what would happen if you spent an hour and a half, just every day, reading the word how it would change your life, transform your life. But you know what the enemy does? Hey, don't forget, you got to get to work on time. Hey, don't forget, you got to go pick up the kids at daycare. Hey, don't forget, you got to go get this done. Hey don't, hey, don't forget, you got this, you got that. So by the time you get home, all you got in you is about 45 minutes of Netflix before you pass out. And then you ask God, God, why is my life falling apart? Why are things not going the way? Why is what's going on, Lord? Why I came to tell you that the enemy has attacked you by drawing you away from God because of your work. So we need to come against that. We need to come against the busyness of work. We need to pray against the busyness of, of distraction that comes out of chores and errands and work. And when do we actually get intentional to carve out the time to go in our back porch and just open our word and spend time in the presence of God and just seeking him. And yet that's where life change comes from. And that's where the Lord is leading me today. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would draw us to your presence. Father, I pray that we do not allow the enemy to impose his agenda over us. Lord, that you would give us, Lord, the capacity and the time just to carve out, to, to go out into the desert and just to worship you and to seek you on our own to spend time in your presence. Father, I pray. Lord, for each and every person who's watching this, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would release them, Lord, from the bondage of the system, the bondage of the enemy, of Pharaoh, who seeks, Lord, to draw them away from you and towards, Lord, unnecessary expectations, towards Lord, the pressures of work. And and Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would, would show them, Lord God, that, that they need you in all that they do. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Um, if you ever miss a Read and Rant, I want to encourage you to go to the Font Everywhere on Facebook. Just join the Font Everywhere on Facebook. Um, you can always catch the Read and Rants there. Um... And then um, also, guys, this weekend is going to be incredible. I've gotten uh, a peek into our production for this weekend. This weekend, this Friday at 8 p.m., we have Black Friday. I want you guys to be there. Please mark your calendars. Black Friday. You can watch it on YouTube at the Font TV's YouTube channel. You can watch it live on YouTube. We're going to do communion together. So we're going to come together to do communion We've got incredible spoken word, poets, pieces, incredible music. I'm going to be sharing a word uh, with you guys. It's going to be an incredibly powerful time together as we reminisce and reflect on the death of Jesus Christ on Good Friday. So, guys, it's, 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 it's dark. That's why we call it Black Friday. It's dark, but it's powerful. It helps us really spend time to engage in the suffering of Jesus Christ. And so, guys, I want you guys to come. I'm so, I already got chills because I'm so excited. I'm so excited about Good Friday, 8 p.m. this Friday. Uh, the YouTube channel is The Font TV. So go ahead and subscribe to that as well. The Font TV. Um but our Facebook, if you're, if you ever miss a read and rant, you want to catch it, go to, go to our Facebook group. It's the font everywhere. I'm actually broadcasting right now on the Facebook as well. I see you, Ruth. Um, I see you. Um, uh, uh, I see you, Daryl. I'm so glad there, Dar- Um, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I think what I want to do is tomorrow is, uh, I, I believe I'll have some time to spend in prayer as well. So I want to spend some time in prayer with you guys. And I'll, I'll likely do that tomorrow since I, I have more time afforded to me. Um, but, uh, but I really want us to spend time 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, we can spend some time in prayer on Monday, Thursday. Uh, uh, Eastern Standard Time, guys, I want to encourage you to come through. Uh, It's going to be awesome. And also have your wine ready, have your bread ready, uh, or your juice, crackers, whatever you got, have it ready because I would love for you guys to engage with us in communion. In communion as well. And so uh, we're going to engage in communion together. We're going to hear some uh, amazing spoken word uh, to remind us of the death of Jesus Christ. And we're going to hear some incredible music. And I will be sharing a closing word, which I believe you guys do not want to miss. It's going to be awesome. And then of course, Easter Sunday, I know everybody go to church on in the mornings, but if you can that night on Easter Sunday, at 8 p.m., we have an event called Res. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. And um, and if there are any doubters in the room, I want to also say this real quick. If you are a doubter, if you are agnostic, if you're atheist, if you have a different faith, you're just here. You're like, man, I'm kind of curious. If you have any curiosity, I want to invite you to join me on a journey called Alpha. It's an 11-week journey. You guys Listen, you. I would love for you to be there. We're not here to condition you. It's literally just a conversation. It's really just a conversation. We'll watch a talk together, and then we're just going to have a conversation. And we're not here to sway you, to move you in any way. Um, um I, I just want to encourage you guys to participate with us um, and to sign up. It's tftv.co slash joinalpha cftv.co slash join alpha. And it's awesome because I heard there's 125 people who signed up already, which is awesome. Uh, Yes, we're going to spend time in prayer to bless the wine, the juice and the crackers and the bread. So that's all going to be explained to you um, at the, uh, at the, at black Friday. So come and come and join us. I am so excited because we got some teaching that we're going to do about communion and about the suffering of Jesus Christ, amazing music, worship, all that. And Alpha. Alpha is, I mean, this year, it's free. Yes, thank you, Jason. Please make sure you tell everybody. It's free. I th- i believe we're going to have 150 people um, who will be joining us for Alpha for our launch. And its uh, it starts April the 11th at uh 1 p.m. So you'll know. But just sign up. We'll, we'll give you all the information. And if you can't be there on Sunday afternoons, We also have them on Wednesday afternoons. And so we have a total of 150 people so far who signed up. So I am super excited about that. It starts the week after Easter on April the 11th. Cassandra, I'm going to read this real quick because I think you were mentioning uh, God is still speaking to me. Short testimony. Okay, Cassandra, I'll read this real quick. Yesterday night at Hangouts, I asked James to pray for me because I want to stop working the 9 to 5 and go into full-time ministry at the font and and do my nonprofit, um, open up full-time. And this morning, here you are talking about the 9 to 5. Man, listen, sis, let the Lord speak to you, sis, okay? Let the Lord speak to you um, because God is speaking through you. I really believe that. Uh, man, I love you, sis. Honestly, it's it's just incredible what God is doing in your life. And, and, um, and man, I'm gonna keep you in prayer as well as you journey through that. Uh, but we're not staying in Goshen, family. We're not staying in Goshen. God's got bigger things planned for us. His purpose to come to fruition requires us to get out of Goshen, all right? If he's got to smoke us out, he's going to smoke us out. If he's got to 10-plug us out, then he's going to 10 plague us out. Youngster, let me tell you, man, go, get out, do it, step out, step out. Don't stay comfortable, remain perpetually uncomfortable, and God will bless you through your obedience. Love y'all, fam. Sign up to Alpha. Join the font everywhere on Facebook. Come to Black Friday on Friday night and come to rest. It's going to be awesome. Love y'all. I got to go teach. God bless you guys.